Freedom Junkie Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a special guest and friend of mine joining us, and I think you're going to find this interview to be amazing. His name is Carlos Garcia. He was born in Havana, Cuba, and he came to the United States and worked his way to Wall Street, working on billion-dollar acquisitions and nine- and ten-figure equity investments. Despite his trajectory of Wall Street financial success, Carlos knew it wasn't the direction he was in love with. So he quit the job and aligned with his passion for books to create the fastest growing summary publishing house on Amazon. It is called Executive Growth Summaries. So welcome, Carlos. I'm so glad you're Thank here today. Thank you so much. I am so honored. I am so blessed. This is this is phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me. Well, um, so you are a, a great candidate for this podcast because you're an entrepreneur and um, the, the freedom junkie part of being an entrepreneur, the part that makes you set out and try and, and yeah. on this adventurous and this adventurous way of being is a big part of, um, of what I think of as personal freedom. And so I'm really interested in that. Um, but I wanted to uh, explain a little bit about how we met and um, why I think you're so amazing. Oh, um, <laughs> We were newbie sailors, and if anyone's interested in that, it's a, we, you can go to the YouTube channel, Sailing Nova Status. I'll put all this in the show notes at the end of, um, at, at the bottom of, you can scroll down and see. But anyway, we were, we were pretty clueless sailing a catamaran, learning how to sail in South Florida, and we sailed across um, over to a little island off, the, off of Miami, and it's called Boca Cheetah. Right. And we had been there with our teacher once before, and it's a harbor where it's all concrete. It's like a giant square of concrete, and you have to sidle your boat up next to this concrete without wrecking your boat. And we were not good at this yet. And so we sailed into Boca Cheetah, and uh, we're trying to figure out where we're going to park the boat, and we're choosing a spot, and here comes this handsome young guy dashing over to... <coughs> catch our ropes. And it turned out to be Carlos. And it turns out that that's actually something sailors do. They help each other whenever they can. And so that's how we met you. It was like, you're like, Hey, throw me your ropes. And that's so right. <laughs> and then we ended up hanging out because that's what sailors do too. And, um, I watched you get up and exercise every morning and you were there. I was like, what are you doing here by yourself? And you told the story of how you got there, which is how I want, I want you to tell that story. Okay. But um, you had decided to take a week being away from technology and um, just to get out into nature and reconnect with um, nature and people. And you certainly did all that. Um, I've got another couple of stories I can tell, but yeah. tell us the story of the night that you rode in to Boca Chita because you're oh, doing this yeah. by yourself. You have this, um, this fierce independent spirit that is just yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, first, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm, I'm so excited for this. Um, yeah, I mean, so basically I bought this boat, a Catalina 27, and uh, I, I beat her up a little bit, okay? Because it's just, it's my first boat and it's, you know, first time sailing. Um, I had sailed to Boca Chita on nine to eight times, always accompanied with someone else. So someone to help me with the lines, someone to help me to tack, always with someone else. This is going to be the first time not anyone else can just take two weeks off, right? I wanted to take two weeks completely, no 
no uh, digital distractions, a complete digital detox, let's call it. And the best way to do that is to, to go to Boca Chita. It's an island that's, you know, it's like around five, 10 miles away from the coast. And I was about to go off sailing. I had all, I had bought all the groceries, right? It's two weeks, a lot of groceries for two weeks. And when I'm going to go, I'm going to go and turn on the boat, which was turning on right before I left to the grocery store. Now it's not turning on. And now I call in my mechanic to fix it. And I'm basically just stuck on the dock before leaving for like two or three days. And I'm just eating off the, the food that I bought. And this mechanic is trying to figure out what's happening until he finally hits it. Now the boat's running. Everything's great. But now there's a storm, a storm from coming, coming in. But I had this just, now it's just called, imp- I was just impatient. I just wanted to go. I just wanted to go and venture out. And the mechanic, who is also an avid sailor, and he helps, uh, he charters boats. He's like, hey, man, uh, I wouldn't do this. I'm like, brother, thank you. Thank you for the advice. I just need to go. Okay, I've been stuck in this. You know, it's like you, you have this idea of adventure and you just want to go out and then you're just stuck in the boat for like two or three days, not being able to do anything, just eating off your, your groceries. I was just ready to go. My mind was just ready to get out of there. So the storm front was coming in. And it was like 30 knot winds, uh, gusts up to like 40 something. And um, I don't have a GPS because I usually just use my phone. So I get through the first bridge. There's a couple bridges you need to get through. I get through the first bridge, fine. Get through the second bridge, fine. I made sure I had all the lines ready to go. I, I, I had already had an idea of when the where the wind was going to be when I got to Boca Chita. So all I had to do was just jump off. However, however, I did not expect it to be this rough. I thought I had been in 30 to 40 knot winds before, um, but I had not. It had been 20. And this was a little bit out of my, you know, out of my experience. And also it was just, it was night now and I couldn't see very well. And I was going, I was going through Boca Chita now, um, around like 10 minutes away. No, sorry. Uh, around 10 miles away. I, I still had about, you know, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would say like about an hour's trip. Usually it's about an hour's trip. And then you get to this marker where you go and turn left. So I got to that marker when you turn left and you can, you can see where Boca Chita is. Um, and now the wind is really hauling and it's this whole time, the wind, the, the wind was coming from the left-hand side of the boat. So from, from the port side, right. It was just coming in from the port side and I was still making headway, just making good. But now I had to turn into the wind. I had to turn against the waves. I had to put those sails down. And again, I want to remind you that this is a 1980 sailboat, Catalina 27, and they were really underpowered. So the, the, the motor only had 14 horsepower. Yeah. So I was battling against the, the, the waves, barely making any headway whatsoever, making, barely moving an inch. And the crazy thing is that if you just steered a little bit to the left, the wind would just overpower the boat. And then I had to like basically do a complete 360 to get back on track. And you can't just, you can't veer at all, not even one angle at all from um, from the waves and from the wind. So, uh, basically, and then now it's raining. I can't use my phone as a GPS because it keeps on. It, it just, it doesn't like when, when an iPhone is wet, it doesn't work. I try to use my, my, um, my Apple watch as a compass to try to see where it is that I'm going because now it's completely pitch dark and you can see, I mean, I, I, I showed, I showed Betsy 
you can see just how many twirls over and over again I was just making because the wind would just get me a little bit off guard. And then I had to make a whole complete 360. My compass was, I couldn't really see the compass on my Apple watch. My navigation was off. I had, I just crazy coming into Boca Chita is so shallow. You have to really, um, you, your boat, you would really have to do it at high tide. I don't know if you were coming in at high tide or not, but you showed me the, the GPS of your boat, making all these loops coming in by yourself in a storm. Yeah. 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 And so what, what, what saved me was that every, every like five, 10 minutes or so I could see the, I could see it was a, it was a full moon and that's what saved me. It was a full moon. So I could see the the silhouette of Boca Cheetah and then make my way that way. And just holding out a a flashlight and trying to find the markers. And basically um, that left turn that usually takes around 30 minutes was around an hour and a half to two hours, just in this, in this consistent and there was one time that I was like, I was holding onto the, to the boat, a wave got me out of nowhere. I almost fell off, but like, it was bad. Like it was reckless. And now I, I understand there's a difference between, between being adventurous and being reckless. There's a, there's a fine line there. Anyways, I, I was able to get to Boca Chita and I had my lines ready. Thank God. And I jumped off. I, 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 um, I tied to the cleat and I just kissed the ground and I just said, hallelujah. I think I woke everyone up that was, that was there. Uh, I literally just kissed the ground. I, I always thought it was, um, you know, it was a dramatic thing for people to do in movies. No, 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 no. I literally kissed the ground and I, and I thanked all the gods out there. <laughs> it's, it's such an amazing story, Carlos. And, but it represents you and your fearlessness and the way you just jump in and, and take your life by the horns. And that's just one of the reasons that we fell in love with you, you were just so friendly too. You took us spearfishing. We were total noobs. You taught my, you taught my 14 year old to spearfish and then ended up giving him one of your spears. And um, so anyway, you've not only struck out on a sailboat for a week at a time, you've struck out into the world as an entrepreneur. You take Freedom Junkie to a whole new level. What do you think are the events that shaped you, the personality traits, and why do you think you're so adventurous, courageous, and your desire for freedom is is more than that of most people? Wow. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I think at first it's just growing up, the family I grew up in, uh, they, my grandparents and my grandma's sister and her husband, they're all professors, they're all teachers. So in Cuba, they would have three months to just do whatever they wanted. So all my, so my mom, my uncles and my mom's cousins, which I, I just call my uncles as well, very close. They would go to this cabin in, uh, in, in a beach called Hibacoa. Uh, it's about an hour, hour west of our east of Havana. And they would just spend their two to three months just camping every single year their most formative year, the adolescence years. And so they brought, they always talk about those times and that they talk about the adolescence and about that freedom. And I'm like, wow, not, not even in, you know, not even the United States, not, like not, no one has that kind of experience. So just growing up with those stories always in the back of my mind um, was something that I wanted to experience. But here it was just, you know, there was so much hustle and so much grind that never really got to connect with, with nature that much. So I think it's that, um, call it like the Jules Verne effect, right? So Jules Verne wrote these beautiful books about adventure, but he never actually, he never actually got out and he never actually traveled. And so he just let his, his imagination just go wild. 
right? And uh, he made these books, you know, Journey to the Center of the Earth, The 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, um, that, are, that are classics. And so it's that Jules Verne effect that, that I never, like I grew up with all these stories, but I never got to actually go out there that now, you know, I'm reverting back to basically to, to childhood and wanting to live out these adventures for myself. So that's, that, that's like the, the underground, the, like the foundation, right? And, and what, what, um, what basically shifted it was uh, I had this internship for the Royal Bank of Canada. So coming out of, coming out of uh, college, so like junior year of college, going to senior year. And by the end of the, sorry, no. So I had this internship, got the return offer, and now I was in training in Canada, okay? I was in tr Toronto training to go into the, um, to the New York office, to the communications media and entertainment group. And by the end of that summer, the Toronto was phenomenal. It was a beautiful time. Just, you know, I mean, can you imagine like just we, we stayed at like the best hotel and everything's paid for and we're just training. Like we already know all these concepts. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal time. But by the end of it, um, I got a call from a friend and he's like, hey, man, did you hear? I'm like, no, what's up? What's happening? Um, you know, Jack, did you hear what happened to Jack? I'm like, no, no, what, what happened? turns out a colleague and, you know, it wasn't a close friend, but he was a colleague and he was my age. He got ran over in the West Side Highway. And I had never been that close to just to mortality. He was just a, he was a buddy who was living his best life. He, that man loved finance. And, and funny enough, we, we actually took a cab together to a Super Day interview. So for the last interview for one of the most, you know, prestigious boutique investment banks called Centerview. And he was actually helping me. He, this is, this is, a, this is a, a kid who loved finance, who really loved it. And uh, he was teaching me concepts on the way there that they might ask me. He's trying to help me, even though I was a, a, basically a competitor. It was pretty cool. And so this is a, a, a kid with a, with, a, with a huge heart, um, ambitious, and, and that's and like living his, you know, his dream life. And still, he, he got run over. And that to me didn't oh, make sense. Like he was in his mid twenties, or he was my my age. So I was twenty two. Oh wow! And so that that pushed you into thinking, oh, I gotta go live. Yeah, a hundred percent, exactly. I, I like this was like one of the final weeks of our training in 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 Toronto, and I was telling my friends that we had interns together. We're coming back to the same group. I'm like, hey man, I, I don't think I don't think I can do this. I think I'm going to have to just go off on, on my own and, and start my business now. And just, um, this is a huge wake up call. I remember I stayed up till three in the morning, just trying to figure out three, four in the morning, writing and writing and writing, trying to figure out what, what it is that I love, what it is that I'm trying to do. What, because I knew that investment banking, I knew that finance wasn't it. You know, I, it was a, it was a means to an end to, to pay off student debts and, uh, and to have some experience to have a resume but I just knew like that that wasn't it. And that just shocked me into, it, it was like a wake up moment, right? Yeah. It was just a, it, it was just a moment that, that woke me up like, oh, this can actually happen. Yeah. Like, I can actually die tomorrow. Yeah, you really can. And, and any of us can. And to me, I love talking about death because it's one thing that we all have in common. We're all going to go there. Yeah. And, you know, the Romans used to keep a skull a human skull up on their mantelpiece and called it a memento mori like you better remember you're gonna die so live <laughs> right because we that's the one thing we know oh look oh my gosh i couldn't see that behind your head for those of you listening uh right behind carlos's head on his shelf is a human skull i'm assuming it's a replica <laughs> it's 
it's not real, is it? It's too tiny. Okay, it's a tiny replica of a human cell. Right. Wow. Well, I'm that way too. I, I love to um, really consider the fact that that uh, this is all finite. So um, so you're a liver and that's why you're on this show. And so, you know, it's um, interesting to me that you come from, that you immigrated and you and your parents from a communist country. Right. And how does that affect your thoughts on freedom? And how do you think um, we're doing as far as this country that you call home now? Are we as free as we can be? What should we do? Or, and how free do you think we are? Yeah, I, I have huge, like when people ask me like, you know, where are you from? I say Cuba, but I'm American. You know, I feel more American than, I, I feel as American as the people that came on the Mayflower, basically. Um, this country is just, is such a gem, right? And what I think what's happening now is that the really we're losing perspective. We're losing a lot of perspective. People, um, you know, my, in my generation uh, haven't really seen true, true hardship until maybe now with, with Corona, but they haven't really seen true, true hardship and haven't seen and haven't lived in a place that you can't voice your opinions and you can't, you can't express yourself freely. And and that there's hunger. There's literally people with hunger. I, I, my dad is in Cuba still. My dad is in Cuba. Uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, there wasn't any eggs. Eggs. You know, we, we've, we've understood how to, <laughs> we understand eggs since, since before Christ. You know, like that hasn't changed much. Mm -hmm. And still the mismanagement is so big in, in, in Cuba that, um, that there wasn't any eggs for a couple of weeks. Um, just basic necessities. And we're blind to these things. Um, we take a lot of these things for granted. So, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a very proud American and I, and the United States is the number one country in the world for me, always, 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 because it, if, if you're willing to work, um, it just has the most opportunities, it has the most doors and, and no other country comes, comes close to it. Uh, you know, and, and I've lived and I've lived in, I've lived in Singapore for, for a bit too. I've, um, I've traveled, I've traveled my fair bit to Europe, uh, and I love all these countries and, but nothing, nothing comes close to the United States and, and the sense of, and the sense of, um, of growth of opportunity. And I don't, I don't see that voiced as much as, as, uh, as I would like it to, to, to be. Well, you know, a lot of people are saying that we're headed towards a totalitarian state. And do you see that or do you, what do you think of that? You know, this is definitely not my area of expertise. So it's a talentarian. I'd, I'd, I'd have to ask a little bit more questions. So um, if you could, where you're very, oh, where you're very controlled by your government. I mean, mm -hmm. so that the, um, an example of a totalitarian state would be communism where yep. you are told what to do all the time. You really don't have freedom and mm -hmm. you know, it's the, the opposite of, of natural law and our freedom and our, our, our naturally occurring rights. You know, that's mm -hmm. a great conversation to have, but I just, your perspective is interesting being so close to a totalitarian government mm -hmm. and just if just people that I'm hearing people saying that that's where we're headed with all of these, you know, the government overreach and mm -hmm. our bill of rights being 
slowly stripped away to where it's like you know us being frogs in a in a warm pot of water and they're starting to boil it and you don't you don't recognize it so quickly if they just ripped them all away and said hey yeah we're, we're in control you have no rights now everybody would would be up in arms and I you know I just wondered if you had any insights or, or thoughts about it as because this is your country now and yes. I know you love it and like yeah. I do and you don't want to see our freedoms being taken away but 100 percent, 100 percent. uh yeah that's that was a great analogy you made about um frogs in a in, in boiling water uh what i'm seeing is like again this is not my area of expertise but i do see and and why, so I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to another place and I'll, and I'll bring it right back. Like Miami, I love Miami so much because you get both sides of, of the narrative. Um, you get, you get um, your conservatives and you have your liberals and, and right now uh, we're at a time that people have just stopped thinking freely and that are trying to, you know, they're, that they just try to put a label uh, to label something very quickly and have to be one part of one, one tribal, one tribal party or a part of the other tribal party without just being able to communicate and being able to share ideas freely. And, and from, from, from free discussion and discourse is, is how we get to a, merit a meritocracy of ideas, the ideas that are going to serve as, as many people as possible that are going to serve the nation as much as possible. Um, you have, you have one of the, one of my favorite actor, uh, actors over there in, in, in Austin, uh, Matthew McConaughey, mm -hmm. uh, and he calls it, uh, what is it? Um, so like ego, uh, utilitarian where when you do what's best for you, you help as many people as possible. Mm. Right. And having that freedom to do what's best for you in a capitalist society, you can see how, um, how much prosperous we you are so in the for example in the united states the poverty level the poverty line is 31 times more than the next country right mm -hmm. that happens because of this engine of of free enterprise and be and for you to be able to provide for yourself and your family and as a consequence you pull up others around you right it's just a free natural consequence um so touching back to this to this um so this topic about freedom and, and, and the opposite of totalitarianism, um, as soon as people mess with, with that free enterprise, we see that we're stifled in, in our incentives to, to provide for ourselves and, and provide for, for others around us. And, and that's something that I'm in complete disagreement with. Yeah. Well, you mentioned free thought and mm -hmm. how people are, are not thinking I've been noticing that too. It's we've gotten to a place where people are getting rigid in their thinking. And I learned yesterday that there's a, there's a bell curve of teachability. And on one side where you're unteachable, it's because you are such a skeptic. You don't believe, you won't believe anything anyone tells you and you're unteachable mm -hmm. you, and you think you already know it all maybe. And then the other part that's unteachable is people who just believe everything they're told. They totally fall for everything. And they, they won't know what truth is because they're just believing anything without thinking it through. So there's yeah. this middle section where you're, you're both 
you, you, you come to what you're being, what you're learning with uh, an open mind enough to where you could change your thinking, yeah. but also a, a, a healthy skepticism. You're not just going to believe it because someone says it, that's where you're teachable and people don't seem to be there anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. we have to be able to have this free discussion you're talking about. Right. And, um, to listen to someone else's point of view, you certainly don't have to agree with it. Of course not. That's your freedom of thought. And so I'm, I'm seeing that a lot too. And just being willing to listen to someone's point of view and their side and take it in and then decide whether you agree or not, you know, but. um, Exactly. Exactly. So shifting over back into your entrepreneurialism, I wonder what advice you would give to someone who is on the ledge when it comes Mm -hmm. to starting their own business or venturing into the entrepreneurial world. If they're right there on the edge, ready to go. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, big part would be, I I would have to like qualify that a little bit more. So a big part would be like, so how are, how are finances, right? Are they, are they going to be able to sustain what's going to be their, their cash cushion? Are they going to be able to sustain for three months, six months, 12 months? Um, so right before on the edge, I would say, take the leap. If you have six to 12 months of cash cushion that you can, you can pay everything that, so you don't have something like breathing down in your neck because that's not a, a great place to be for creativity wise. And you don't want to go into something in, in a, in a mindset of scarcity and a mindset of need. And, and I've been there before and it's terrible. Um, because now you're not, um, now you're not, now you're not <clears throat> developing your idea. Now you're, you're coming from a place of manipulation. When you speak to someone else, now you're not um, trying to help. You're just trying to take, and it's a very subtle, it's a very subtle mindset. Um, and it's, it's difficult to contract. It's just, it's just our human nature to, to want to survive basically. So I would say if you're on the edge, make sure that your finances are right, that you're going to be able to have a good cash cushion for six to 12 months and then give it a go. Right. You know, that's that's such good advice because I know so many businesses that have gotten off on the wrong foot because they weren't capitalized enough. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Not even the business being capitalized. You're talking about being able to sustain your, your own life while you're doing this. Exactly. Um, but, but then you also need to have the, the capital to, to have a little cushion there for the business because 100%. it can go under quick. Yeah. What else? Yeah. So that would be the, that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing is now that you have your, 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 your cash and your finances straight, just jump in a hundred percent. All right. And that's the, that's the quote I, I sent you about the man in the arena. Yeah. I'm going to get there. I'm going to give your favorite okay. quotes. Okay, cool. Um, but basically you just got to dive in head first, just head first dive in and, um, no one gets a success through their mind. No one like out thinks their way to success. It's about doing, reiterating and doing and reiterating. Um, and what I would say is just get very intentional about who you're serving, who your client is and what, what are their needs and talk to them, talk to them. So if uh, you're still building up that cash cushion, make time, make intentional time in your week to seek out your customers, your ideal client, your ideal avatar, and talk to them and see what <clears throat> their pain points are and how, um, how you can best serve those pain points. And don't use, and then, you know, just from a tactical point of view, then understand and write down, record exactly how they describe the problem that they're having and their thoughts on the solution. And write those down 
And it's important to write those down because you want to use language that your customer understands so you can have this telepathy so that when you speak to them, you're speaking exactly their language and not just your own because you're going to be so delve into um, providing a solution that you're going to you're going to create your own language in your own head. And that's that's where there's a disconnect between in, in the marketing. So you want to make sure that you understand very well the words that your customers are using themselves so you can have this telepathy and they really understand they they acknowledge and understand in an emotional level that you understand their, 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 their pains. And you can only do that if you use their own language. Cool. Um, so your business right now that you've started is a book summary business. And, um, Tell us the basics of that, the and what the new monthly implementation club is. What what is your yeah. business? So we talked about the end of training program in investment banking, right? Um, I spoke to some friends. I spoke to my uncle, who's like he's the entrepreneur I most look up to, and he's and everyone was like, "Man, you should just do it for a year, re- get real experience, and then with that go and 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 start your own business." Um, and that's what I did for a whole year until I got to the point where like, well, I learned all the skills that I wanted to learn. Um, I paid down a lot of my student debts and I was ready to go, but I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Not at all. (laughs) So I quit. I moved back home. That's where I am now. And I decided to be, um, I wanted to be a nature influencer, a spearfishing influencer. So I would, I bought a small boat and I started spearfishing every day for around three months grew a beard, shaved my head, really, really got into the Viking spearfishing mentality. After three months, I was like, okay, what are you actually going to do with your life? You can't just get f- fish forever. Um, you know, <laughs> like there was something more, there was a, this, the impact level wasn't really there. So I had always kept this journal of ideas that I had. And one of the ideas was to start a professional summary company because on Amazon, uh, most of the time when you, when you buy a book that's self-published many times, people have outsources to India, Bangladesh, and the grammar's off, everything's off. And so I was reading these summaries when, you know, I was working 80, 90 hour work weeks on, in, in, in Wall Street, and they were really bad. And I'm like, man, I, I, there may be a space for a really good summary company on Amazon. And I wrote that in my, in my idea journal. I came back to it and I was like, you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. And um, so I set out to get the very best writers, um, American writers or South African too, um, people that just mastered the English language um, that had a very strong narrative. And we started this, this summary company. We started with four books at first, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan B. Peterson, uh, Principles by Ray Dalio, Crushing It by Gary Vaynerchuk and Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Okay. I will put all those in the, obviously are those, were those the four that you thought were the most important? Cause I know you've read a lot of books. Yes. So those four, well, no, those four are the ones that, that happen to be the most important by, <laughs> by, uh, by just, you know, being lucky, but um, those four were the best sellers. They were going to be driving the most traffic and they were also very thick books, right? So people would most likely be looking for a summary for them. Okay. So they, they, so it was a very strategic move in the beginning cash is low you got to make very strategic moves in the beginning yeah i'm gonna ask you about that too i'm curious to know you know the summary business who what are the pros and cons of it and i guess you just nailed one of them which is if if a book has a lot of really good information but it's a really big book people might choose a summary over the book that's right that's right And, and it should always yeah and it's 
most also a lot from a lot of the reviews that I see, a lot of people use it as a refresher or as a companion okay. too. And, um, and yeah, so, so we basically started with those, with those four books and from there, you know, money was really like, it was really starting to, to get low. And basically you just have to rank the book, right? You have to rank it for the keywords. So it can appear on the first page. If you're on the first page, then it's kind of like a snowball effect. But as I, as I was taking place and as I was trying to get reviews from friends and family and, and talking to, to um, trying to um, talk to new customers uh, to, to go by and leave a review and, and tell me what they actually thought um, that, you know, that takes time. And, and that's why I, I said about the cash flow, just make sure you got the cash cushion. Cause those are, those are difficult times in that time. Um, I really had to like battle against my ego because, you know, I was like, I was in wall street. I had, you know, I was a young kid in wall street making like crazy amount of money. And now I'm just living back home and you just have all these, just these negative protruding like just thoughts like man what have I done this and that is this really gonna work and the book that I read that changed that around was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins I don't know if you've heard of David Goggins no I can't wait to put all these in the show notes and yeah 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 okay, yeah, okay. You, you can't hurt me can't hurt me by David Goggins this man was um basically a fumigator an overweight fumigator he was fumigating at nights and one day he just had this crazy idea he's like you know what I've had it I've had, I've had, I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. And to make the cut, he had to lose a hundred pounds in three, in three months. I have heard of this guy. Yeah. yeah. He's an absolute beast. So after listen, so I listened to the audiobook, and, and basically the whole, the whole point is to just, just give it your all, man. Just give it your all. Stop judging yourself. It's okay. So I literally started, I started doing food delivery. Um, and around that same time, I remember a friend reached out. And I was still working on the business. A friend reached out for, for um, a new job opening for Uber in like a strategic position that I was definitely qualified for in Miami. And she had to already the way in. And that was like the moment of like, man, should I take the job or should I just stick it out and doing like, she called me, I was doing food delivery. So like the, my, my ego was really, you know, like she was asking, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing food deliveries. Right. And that ego is really, really, really hurts. Right. Um, really says nasty things to you. So, uh, I said, F it, you know, um, and I said, I'm going to stick through this. And, and I just started, I had so much anxiety that I started training for a triathlon. Thanks to this book this book, this guy starts doing like ultra marathons and ultra triathlons. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to start training for a triathlon. And at the same time, I'm just going to focus on my business and this is going to work. And then two weeks later, um, you know, one of the books got to the first page that spiraled to everything else. And then a couple of them became bestsellers and that got me the cash flow to continue and continue. And now we have 18 books. Um, and the team that I, that I grew with that really implemented the same lessons that we were getting from these books. So uh, while we implemented these lessons, like the business just became a lot more efficient. We just grew a lot quicker. And, um, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. The 12 rules for life, it, it basically just rewired my brain. So 12 rules for life principles by Ray Dalio. So there's these, there's these, these things, like I talked about manipulation before and, and so 12 rules for life, there's this one rule. It's very, it's almost like, it's almost, um, trite. It's almost, it's almost too simple, right? But he goes very deep. So one of them is, um, you know, tell the truth or at least, 
or at least don't lie. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But, you know, always under certain circumstances, like, no, no, always tell the truth or don't lie or at least don't lie. And and he says, because then you lose interface with reality, you under you when you start saying lies, you not only add more complexity to your life, but you also don't um, you because you're because you're saying the lies yourself, you stop understanding what reality really is like. Wow. And, you, and, and I was like, oh, why didn't someone tell me this? Yeah. Right? Even just the little, little lies. This doesn't have to be something huge. Exactly. Just like, yeah, I did my homework, mom. Well, exactly. no, you didn't. Why? Yeah. So now you're confused. I got it. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, why didn't someone just tell me that? Like everyone just would say that, you know, lying is bad because you're, you know, you, you break trust with people. I'm like, yeah, but it also is like, it, it messes up the way you look at the world. You know, it messes up your ability to get feedback from the world too. Mm. Um, and so, so, and then that coupled with one of the, the chapters in, in principles by Ray Dalio, he's like, um, he's a hedge fund manager and uh, runs the, the world's like best hedge funds. And he talks about the principles he, he uses to make decisions. Right. So it's a very powerful book. It's a very thick book. Um, about all of his decision-making in life and in business. And one of the, the ones in business is like, um, operate your business as a machine. Your business is a machine and you must view it like that from a third. You can't be inside it looking at all the, you have to take a, you have to take a step back and look at it as a machine. And um, going with just those two principles, just seeing everything as it is, um, you know, don't lie, just see everything as it is and see your business as a machine. We were able to scale very quickly. And, um, so yeah, so that's, that's how we grew executive growth summaries, um, as a, as a fa- as a fastest, uh, Amazon publisher, summary publisher. Um, yeah, yeah. And now we're, and now we're continuing. I kind of put that on pause a bit because I found this other problem that I was like, you know what, I want to tackle it. And so what happened is like, as you know, as the team grew, um, there was a point we had, we had three writers, we had three writers, two editors, two graphic designers, like the, the team was growing quickly. And now I didn't have as much time to read the books and implement the same lessons. So I'm like, what if, uh, is, you know, is there anything out there that can just give me an implementation to implement the lessons of the book directly into my business? Right. So there's these, a lot of book summaries, there's book summaries and there's book summary companies out there, but I, I want specifically implementation. Cause I want, I want already translated in business terms on how to actually implement it into my business. Wow. So that, yeah. And, and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything. Um, so, and that's, that's what, that's what I've been working on since we met, since, since we met basically this past year, um, really refining that. And, and now we're, we're launching March 22nd. We're launching, launching pretty soon. Um, two months. What from. does that look like? How, okay. So two questions. How, yeah. um, if, how does your, how did this Amazon summary business that you have, if people are interested in going yeah. and reading some of these books that you've handpicked as really important books, um, how do they find you and, and, and what's the deal? What do they do? Just buy it on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much you go on Amazon and you look up executive growth summaries and, uh, we have, yeah, we have 18 books there. We have, um, Ken Herman, we, we just talked about, we have Atomic Habits. That's a very powerful book about consistency and, and growing, growing habits that, that accrue over time, just like, um, just like interest. Right. Um, 
we have we have we have most of the bestsellers we have uh educated which is uh, we got into memoirs as well we got educated um we got we got what do you what do people do if they i mean so is it are they a set fee or are they all the same price? Do you, yeah, you just don't much. purchase it and get it on your Kindle or do you, or you have the actual physical paperback? Both. Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Awesome. And then this new thing, this, this implementation thing you're doing, yeah. how does that work? Okay. So that's called execute books. And right now we're doing, so March 22nd, we're launching like the beta month beta program. And that what, what we basically do is, we asked, you know, why don't entrepreneurs read as much as they would like? And there's a divide because many times when entrepreneurs first start out or when they're in school, they read a lot. They, like, just, they just have this natural curiosity a lot. They just have this natural curiosity. They read a lot or, or, it's, or it's through audiobooks. But there comes to a point that, they, that they're growing their business and they, now they have more visible opportunities for growth. So now the, the, the sunk cost, I mean, the, the opportunity cost of reading a book is much, much higher now. And many, many entrepreneurs just don't do it. So um, what we came to the solution was just to flip that on its head. And basically it takes, you know, if, you re- if you're reading around 200 words per minute, it takes around six to eight hours to read a full book. Um, that's not counting pauses. That's not counting, you know, you're, you're thinking about it. So now you may take it on another one or two hours to, to think of how that applies to your life. And then another two to four to actually think about how to implement into your business. So the whole, orde- the whole ordeal can take anywhere from 11 to 16 hours for one book. And um, with that amount of time, you know, there's uh, when, when an entrepreneur becomes more and more successful, this, they have more visible opportunities um, to invest their time in. So the question then became like, how do we make it so that um, they can they they can see if it's worth their time in one hour or less? That was that was the question. So what we did, we came out with this AIM brief, which which spent, uh, AIM stands for Awareness, Internalization, and Materialization. So the awareness portion, which takes thirty minutes, you understand the key concepts and the context for the book. The internalization, which is 15 minutes, it's like a guided journaling experience where you understand your pattern. It's a pattern recognition exercise. So you see in your past and your present experience what what's worked and, and what's um what what are these these insights do you see actually applying in your life? And then materialization is um is basically a strategy, like a one one page strategy where you can immediately put into practice. So that's the first part of it. And that's and, how like an entrepreneur would, would look through your books and choose that they, like in basically an hour, they can choose whether they want to try to implement this book or move on to another one. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and, and we're, right now we're doing it as a membership and we're doing one book a month, just every single month, like a guided experience. Uh, but again, just putting the time back in entrepreneur's hands. So if after an hour, you know, you don't, you don't think that this book is going to serve you. Um, at least you've already cataloged it in your minds. And we really break down like, what's this book trying to solve for, right? What's the outcome that you can get from this book? Excellent. Because there's only like 10,000 books for an entrepreneur to choose from. And like you said, he can't read them all. And so you've you've already kind of filtered them to begin with, chosen what you thought was important. And then you've made it really easy for entrepreneurs and business owners to 
look through and and decide which books are going to are going to be important for them to implement exactly exactly and awesome. and everything is it's a, it's a whole guided journey so like after that if you do want to implement it well then we actually hold you accountable we have an implementation guide 15 minutes a day for five for seven days for a whole week and then you actually we just give you the exercises to do and as you're doing the exercises you're documenting it and another thing we call the map builder where you're basically building up your map so that whenever you want to get to that specific destination, whenever you want to get a specific result, well, you can always turn to this map that you've created specifically for your life and for your business. Wow, and, you're like a personal trainer for business owners. Yeah, for folks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, so yeah. if people wanted to get involved in the beta testing part of this, what, what would they do? Just go to executebooks.com. Executebooks.com. I'll put all this in the show notes. Perfect, perfect. And, and after that, there's a 21 day guided reading handbook where we break down the book in 21 days and we can, you can actually read the whole book if you want, if, um, if you feel that that's where your time can be best invested. So yeah, it's, um, it's an end to end solution for, for people to, to implement books. I'm well, excited. That is awesome. You found, you saw a need and filled it. And I, I wish you the best and I hope that. Thanks, you know, I, I can't wait to go on and, and, and start. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see okay. Okay. your summaries. And, um, you know, I was never a cliff notes type person. <clears throat> I felt like you'd miss the, you know, if you, if you don't read Dickens or you don't read Shakespeare, you're not reading Dickens or Shakespeare, but it sounds like the books you're, you're summarizing are more like, um, how almost like self-help, but not really, it's not self-help. It's more like, um, entrepreneurial and business type books. And what other genres are you summarizing? That's, that's basically our, our niche We're we're only doing, um, you know, the top business psychology, just basically any book that's either going to help with your personal capacity as a leader, um, or, or to get better in touch with, with yourself so like the actually the first book that we're doing and for this beta um program is the war of art by stephen pressfield i don't know if you've if you've heard of uh of this book but basically this is a this is a man that talks about resistance and he, he starts out the, the book very in a very dramatic fashion the book what it what it does is what it tries to teach people is that um at the end of the day the biggest obstacle that we have is ourselves and that little voice in our head that tells us to not do it, to not go out and make art, to not go out and, and start your business. And, that's, and, and that voice gets amplified by external events. That's all, that's all that happens. So like when, when, we, when there's an external event, any obstacle, it can be anything. Um, that voice comes, comes on again and tells you, you see, you can't do it. You see, watch out. Um, so, and he talks about just sitting down and doing the work sitting down and doing the work. And as you do the work every single day and you, and, and you do the work that you most fear and you actually put it out into the world and actually, and you're actually in the arena, then, um, then you're living your unlived life. You're actually living and you're not, you're no longer subject to this, to this, to this little voice, um, that he calls resistance. And, you know, it's not a business book, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a book that if you don't, if you haven't mastered that and how to overcome that resistance within you, there's no way you're going to be able to, to run a business, right? There's no way you're going to be able to do and put out authentic art into the world because that you're, you're basically, you're showcasing your, your soul. You're being extremely vulnerable. And, um, and, and that's the first, you see, like the, there's no tact, like there's no, there's no like specific tactics or like business growth in that book. 
but we still, that's like the first book. Cause if you don't have that, no tactics in the world are going to, are, are going to work. Wow. Carlos, what you, you really might have a, a little freedom junkie, like, Oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, like revolution on your hands here. I mean, you're, you, if, you've picked these books that people can basically blow through because they're, you've summarized them and they're the ones that kick you in the butt and make you live your yeah. life. That's it. That's, it. Exactly. that's what we all need to do. It's just, Hey, we might die tomorrow. We might die this afternoon. What are you doing now? Right. Ah, I love it. Okay. So what you had a question for me. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to, to know your experience with, with coronavirus and specifically um, you know, I, you kept asking me about this totalitarian state and, um, you know, what, what, um, what reflections you have and what, um, uh, what reflections you have on, on, on those two things. Well, as far as the coronavirus goes, I've done so much research and I've talked to a lot of people. It's really hard to know these days um, what to believe. So you have to be open to um, all of the information, then filter it through your own, knowledge base and your own intuition and determine what you, you know, where you stand on things. And from everything I've learned from the, the fact that the coronavirus isn't even, they've never isolated the virus. If you contact the CDC and say, you'd like a sample of it, because you're a scientist and you want to do some experiments with it, they can't send it to you. They have not, if you, and anything I'm about to tell you, anything I'm saying, just research for yourself. Um, I stand by what I'm saying because I have done this research and I do trust the sources that I've found. Um, So it's not to say people aren't getting sick. People are getting sick. I've, I've known several people who've, who've gotten really sick. They've all um, come through it. I know people have died from it, Mm -hmm. but the, the survival rate is over 99%, 99.9 something percent, depending on how old you are, then once, once you're 70 or 75, it drops to 94, but that's still a good survival rate. And, um, there, there are totally, uh, prescription drugs you can take to, to combat and, and the coronavirus. We've never needed a vaccine for something where there was, um, treatment for it. You know, there was no treatment for polio. I'm sure they tried things, but they ended up finding that a vaccine was what they needed in order to eradicate the disease. Um, At the top of your head, Betsy, do you know that medication, what that medication is? Okay, well, the first thing is if you, uh, you you should take, if you know you're going to be around people, a bunch of people, Mm -hmm. and and you don't want to get sick, take vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. And the quercetin acts kind of like hydroxychloroquine, which shoots the bullet of zinc. It's the gun, the the zinc is the bullet. That's what you need in your cells to keep you from, the virus cannot replicate itself if you have zinc in your cells. So when, and and so hydroxychloroquine, which was so vilified months ago, is now being prescribed. And the other one is interesting. It's ivermectin. And ivermectin is a, anti-parasite drug that they give to uh, horses. It's actually, I just saw my dog's heartworm medication and it's ivermectin. And so you, you go get ivermectin and, um, 
wow. the, apparently the human dosage is expensive and there are people out there. I'm not saying to do this. I'm just saying there are people out there who are um, using the horse. You can go get it for cheap for horses and just take the right dose for people, but it's an intense drug. It kills the parasites in your body. And I guess that this, it, act, it somehow it acts on the coronaviruses too. And so you can treat it yourself. If you're sick with coronavirus, you can go to America, americasfrontlinedoctors.com and do a telehealth with them. It's 90 bucks and they'll, they'll prescribe you um, the drugs for, for COVID if you have it. Um, the, then the question was... Um, the parallels between the totalitarian state and where you see... Today. Right, well, just that they're using this this pandemic that's not even a pandemic if you look up the definition for a pandemic this does not fall in it it's really nothing to have freaked out about or make everybody wear masks or make everybody be afraid or make everybody feel like they need a vaccine which the the, the main thing i want people to know about the vaccine is you know go get it if you want it but before you do if that's what you're considering find which one you're, you're supposed to be taking, whatever it is, the AstraZeneca or the Moderna or whichever one, and look up the ingredients that are in that because you're gonna inject that into your body. Mm -hmm. And uh, people aren't doing that. They're not researching what is no. in these. And there's a lot of really questionable stuff. It's gonna change our genetics. It, we're gonna be genetically modified organisms. There have not been any long-term studies. We don't know if it's gonna render us or our children infertile. We don't know these things. So there's no long-term study. And, it, and it's genetically modified because it actually goes into our DNA? It's a, yeah, the, the mRNA. Um, and I don't understand all of that. You'd have to do your research on that. Okay. Okay. But apparently it's, it's going to modify our genetics as humans. Yeah, so, I got it. Yeah. Um, but when you think about what are our rights what are our, if you stop and think about it, what are our rights and where do they come from? Mm. You will come to the conclusion that they don't come from government. People think, oh, the government gives me my rights. No, 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 no. Your rights are spelled out in our bill of rights and that's great, but you have the right to live and to live freely and to not have anyone above you. Mm -hmm. We are equal. And that's spelled out in our Declaration of Independence. We're, we're created equal. And so government always gets out of hand and it always becomes tyrannical. And we can just see it happening with the, um, the censorship that's been going on for the last, I don't know, several years. It's gotten yeah. intense. Yeah. And you can watch, you know, it was interesting. I uh, was listening to Hena Maria. I'll turn you on to her. Okay. Um, she's an activist who, who's spent time with indigenous tribes and in third world countries. And, you know, she thought, she said, well, first of all, what we've done to indigenous tribes, what world governments have done to indigenous tribes and, and third world countries is uh, unacceptable by any means. But as Western countries, we've kind of been looking around for the last several decades thinking, hmm, that doesn't seem like what's going on is there is, is acceptable as far as a human rights standpoint goes, like take North Korea or China or one of these countries where the where human rights are so obviously disregarded. And we just kind of go, okay, well, they're having problems. But now that we are feeling it in our countries, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's time to stand up for human rights 
on the entire planet. And I'm feeling that very strongly. And I just thought, you know, maybe coming from a, a communist background, you feel not, you're not, a, you're not a communist, but you came from a communist country that you no. might feel very strongly about that too. Um, I am witnessing it. They're talking about these uh, vaccination passports and even here in Texas, they're about to, uh, I just found out about this this morning, they're going to be considering a bill that would give our governor the right to require us to have a vaccine or face jail time. And it's that's not, yeah, that's definitely not right really. to tell you that you have to inject something in your body that is absolutely against our, our rights. I mean, it's crazy. It's, um, I've heard of it called medical rape. You can't you can't do that. So why people, and then there's this whole group think of people that are saying, no, we've, we've got to do that. It's like, those people need to wake up. And so I'm, I'm a little bit beside myself right now, as far as you, you, you touched my most, um, I got you. Yeah. You know, the thing that I'm feeling the strongest about, which is definitely getting the word out about researching the vaccine, if you're going to take it, because if you research it, I don't think you'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And something else that I am very aware of, because I've got a, a Telegram account and I highly recommend people get one because there's still free speech. Everything you, anything anyone wants to share is still available on Telegram. Yeah. And so you're seeing there's whole accounts that are dedicated to um, the vaccine, quote unquote vaccine. It's an experimental injection. It's not even a vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, that um, there's whole uh, channels dedicated to people's reactions, bad reactions and deaths after they've taken mm -hmm. the, the vaccine. And people yeah. don't know that because they're not saying it on the news and they're censoring it on major social media. So people don't know. I have a Facebook account and I have yeah. a Twitter account, but I don't use them. So no, I, I did find a lot of them like a, like a third party quote unquote, um, you know, verify like that you have you had this tag that says verified by third party it could be uh inaccurate or something like that and oh, right right yeah yeah but if they're allowing people to know that people are dying from the vaccine and having horrible adverse reactions like going into convulsions permanent convulsions and yeah yeah i mean i don't i'm aware of all that and i'd rather take my chances just getting it and getting over it like the flu a hundred percent. You see, exactly. Like for, <clears throat> for me, like I'm never going to, hell no, I'm not going to get that vaccine. Oh, and by the way, I've already had it. Uh, you know, I, I lost my sense of taste for like a, a day or two and, and that's it. Oh, um, you mean you had the COVID? I had, I had COVID. I had COVID. Uh, and then I, I, you know, we tried as much as possible to just keep me in the room, but you know, my mom got it. Um, uh, my, my stepdad got it. Every, everyone's fine. Um, now I did get a little, you know, a little, little bit, um, uh, more cautious with my grandparents, right? They're, they're 80. So just from a pro probabilistic standpoint, right? Like what are the chances that they, that they pass away? If uh, I could have, my cousin gave it to me. So, and by mere chance, they, 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 um, they didn't get it. Um, Cause my cousin was supposed to see them before, before coming over to my house. And uh, from a pro probabilistic standpoint, I, you know, I asked, I, I, I asked very strongly for, for my mom and for my uncles to mobilize so we can get the, the vaccine for them because you know like I, I was just doing math basically i was just doing math like what are what are the probabilities of them passing away if they got covid versus um an adverse reaction to um to the to the vaccine um and just you know 
doing simple math, I was like, you know what, it's, it, this is a necessary evil for, to do the vaccine for them. And, um, but for everyone else, I am telling them, you know, like if you've, if you're healthy, if you're, if you're, if you're doing your exercise, if you don't have any, any conditions at all, why are you going to get the vaccine? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, I would recommend people look into vaccines in general and the, and do read some things that make you uncomfortable. You don't have to believe it or agree with it, but just be aware because there's a lot of correlation between when we started giving vaccines and when we started giving certain vaccines and then a lot of the illnesses that plague us like cancer and autism, it's there, they've gone up in hand in hand. And so is oh, the wow. correlation it's, it's, that's, you know, science yeah. is never settled. Yeah. So, you know, f- as far as for my parents, I was really grateful. They are 85 and 89 and they got COVID and they are fine. Um, mm. And I'm hoping that they don't get the vaccine, but that's their, yep. that's, of course, they've got their freedom. They can choose whether they want that's to or not. That's it. But what's just frightening to me about this injection is that it's, we don't know if it's going to cause cancer. We don't know if it's going to cause anything. We don't know if it's going to cause infertility. And of course, it doesn't matter if you're 89, if you're, if you're rendered sterile, it's irrelevant. <laughs> but if you're 20 or you're six, or you're 35, it does matter, you know? What if it renders the next generation infertile? We just don't know. We don't, there's no, this is absolutely uh, experimental and they're experimenting yeah. on all of us. So and that's and the truth. And it's difficult to get down to that, to that minuscule granular level. What are the long-term, which we just don't know. We don't know. You know, something I had wanted to say about you at the beginning was um, one of the things that happened early on when we met was you said that you got so mad at yourself for being on TikTok for four hours, which is oh. really easy to do, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were so mad that four hours had gone by and you had just wasted four hours of your life that you required yourself to learn how to do a backflip. Was that right? That's correct. (laughs) You punished yourself. (laughs) And it's, oh, I don't know if I told you, but I met, so after you guys left Boca Chita, I met, um, uh, I met this, oh man. So there's this couple uh, that they were stopping by and he, they worked at the circus. And he taught me how to do backflip, like a proper backflip that day. Oh, you had learned yeah. to do an improper backflip. Yeah, I was doing, I was doing a backflip. That was this. Yeah, it was like I almost dislocated my shoulder. Like it was, it was bad. Like, but uh, this guy in less than like an hour taught me how to do a proper backflip, and it was uh, and it's 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 the care. It's like the people you meet. Like I'm so thankful. Like you have no idea on how many levels I'm thankful that I that I met you, that I met Philip, that I met Kai, that I met Paige because, um, you guys validated for me very easily, very quickly, how um, living a life uh, on your own could be extremely fulfilling and possible, right? Like say, like sailing, traveling on your own terms. And, and, uh, and then you think like, oh no, but what are you gonna do about kids with school? Well, you, there, there's the answer. And I saw it from you guys, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's something, that's something like, and that's something that, you know, that, that we're blessed with now that we get to see through these podcasts that we get to see other points of view, other ways people are living their life that gives us validation to say, Hey, I can just live my life the way I want. I can live my own script. Right. And, um, and you guys, you guys made it very, very, 
uh, palpable for me to see that. So yeah, I'm always grateful for you guys. Well, I, I, I accept that and I honor that. Thank you. Because yeah. I definitely have people in my life where I've seen them do it. And I'm like, oh, that means I can do it. It, it, it paves the way. Yeah, exactly. that's great. Exactly. Um, if people are interested in seeing the episode where we, where you're in our vlog, our sailing vlog, I'll uh, post it at the bottom too. So people can watch that and see you in action. I wish you had done a backflip. So you can do a standing backflip on, you can be standing on the concrete and just yeah. do a backflip. Well, I haven't practiced it in like six months. So <laughs> okay. give me some time and yes, and yes, yes. Awesome. <laughs> With that like I, 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 stay off, I stay off so much social media and I stay off so much of the news and so much that, um, that sometimes like when you're telling me these things that you feel this, this, um, so like suppression, like in Miami, I really don't feel it. Right. Um, so it's, it's, this is a good touch point. Um, and I did get kind of the same vibe from, from McConaughey and from McConaughey's, uh, uh, interview with Jordan Peterson. I think it's a pretty good interview. If you ever got a chance to listen to it. Um, cause he, he kind of wants to be like some kind of like a, like a, like an ambassador to, to Austin. He, he wants Austin to stay weird and stay authentic because so many people are moving from California and New York to Austin right now. Um, when Austin is in deep fear, deep, deep fear. I don't know what happened to all the open-minded it's in liberal fear. thinking. Yeah. Oh, Austin is, if you, if you don't wear a mask in the grocery store in Austin, you get lit upon by like all these people attacking you it's crazy Austin used to be cool and now it's just a bastion of fear and groupthink. god well you you guys got a lot of good podcasters there um that just moved you know you got um <laughs> Joe Rogan moved mm-hmm. over uh Tim Ferriss I think was one of the first one that um Patrick Bet David um people love Austin so yeah hopefully hopefully um Betsy, we got, we got to, you got to stage something that everyone just goes out and yeah, I don't know. Just I'll wakes be there. everybody up. Wake up. Yeah. <laughs> just shake people. Wake up. <laughs> it's really important. Yeah. Um, so tell us how people can get in touch with you. I know that they can obviously buy your stuff on Amazon, but if, you know, someone wanted to contact you or have you on for an interview, um, yeah. what is it? Instagram? Is it Facebook? What is it? Where do you? I'm Facebook, Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if, can you link that on? Yeah, I can put your Facebook down there. Okay. And uh, so people could direct message you if they wanted to on Facebook. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, I um, have your two favorite quotes. I want to ask people what their, the most um, impactful book they've read, but you know, I don't even know if I need to ask you that because you've given us like five or six books to choose from here already um could you say that there's a book that has been the most impactful in your life specifically for this podcast um i would say you know when i first started what what actually helped me create that first business um my the summary books on amazon was the four hour work week by tim ferris because that book's actually there's this acronym called deal d-e-a-l so the first one is define eliminate automate liberate define really really makes you just define what kind of life you want to live and you actually see and you just write down you 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 actually just get to put pen to paper 
It's no longer an esoteric uh, exercise. You just put pen to paper on the kind and you define what kind of life you want to live and how much it actually costs to live that life. And now that's it. Now you have, you have your, you have your goal there. You know, how much do I have to make every single month to live that life, to live a life with adventure, to live a life, whatever that means to you. Right. And, and that, so that was a, that was a very powerful book because that, that basically told me like what my objectives were, were my financial objectives were for this company. And then being able to then be free. Thanks to, thanks to all the work that I, that I did. You know, that's interesting. My, we've started an entrepreneur book club for the teenagers in the homeschool group that we're in. Yeah. They've been reading books and, and I, we might jump to some of your summaries. I don't know. It's good for them to read the whole books, but um, the four hour work week is our next one. It's one on our short list. So yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely do that. I am going to wrap it up with your two favorite quotes. Um, This one is, has been called the arena and I love it too. It is not the critic. So these, I'm sorry, these are Carlos Garcia's two favorite quotes as of today. I know that will change, but it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah. If you got up and read that every morning, you'd just jump right in. Right. That's it. That's it. I read it. I, I, yeah, I, I have it memorized already. Like I have to say it every single night before I start work. It just, Oh, I should have had you read it. You know what? <laughs> next time I am next, next interview, I'm going to get them to read it. Okay. <laughs> the other one, this is by a man named Victor Frankel mm-hmm. between stimulus and response. There is a space in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Wow. That's it, that's it. Okay, well, is there anything else you wanna leave us with or? I I would, I I just want to, well, first, um, thank you so much, Betsy. This has been such a phenomenal experience. I'm loving this. I'm loving the movement that you're starting. Um, I'm all for it. And um, yeah, I I, I guess I just want to reiterate uh, Theodore Roosevelt just to get in the arena. You know, if anyone's on the fence, just get in the arena. And, and, you know, you don't actually have to like, um, all you got to do is put yourself out there, right? Like what's the worst that can happen? We're all going to die. We're all on the same journey. There is no, there is no repeats. Um, just put yourself in the arena. And by the way, like this idea about execute books, I have been thinking about it for two years and I have been, I just always came back to like, like refining and refining and refining the product because that, that was my comfortable zone, but I wasn't actually in the arena, right? I wasn't actually putting it out there. Um, and it, it's such a freeing experience to just 
put it out there. And it's very, very, very scary uh, because you, you know, this work that you've done or, or this idea that's close to your heart, you're putting it out there. Um, the moment you do so is the moment you, that, that, that you become free. So yeah. I would just say the fear is gone instantly. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank okay. you so much. I mean, cool. this has been such a phenomenal experience and uh, let me know if there's any other way I can, I can hop out with this movement. I, I want to help as much as possible. Okay, great. And thank you for tuning in and for listening until next time, freedom junkies. Uh, we will check back in. Lots of love to all of you guys. Ciao. I live better than a king ever did. I live better than a...